Punkt. Folks, welcome to the United Way. This is episode nine. <laughs> episode nine. <laughs> My voice is really, really happy and jovial because we won a game of football. Yay! Was it against Burnley who are 19th? But we don't care. Yeah. The season starts now. <laughs> I'm Al Foran. I'm Damien Broderick. And we got three fucking points. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I got it! Oh, three points! <laughs> yeah! Get in. We're up to what are we, nine? <laughs> yes, we beat Bournley. That's the whole episode. See you next week. <laughs> no, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grand. Grand. Now, uh, Grand's game of things. We're probably lucky that we weren't beaten. Yeah. Yeah, we like, were. Was the performance there? No, it absolutely wasn't. But these are the games that you need to be winning when you're not playing well. 100%. These are the games you need to be getting points from. So, yeah. We'll take it. We'll take I, th- it. I, think they're, I think they'll do well, Burnley. I think they're just, it's going to take them time. Yeah, what are we, six, in the Premier League. Six games in or something like that. Their 19th place is not a true reflection. Uh, yeah. Then again, slapping us around for 90 minutes is also not a true reflection I'm, because well, we're I'm, shit. Well, I'm not particularly impressed with some of the promoted sides this year. I think we all kind of knew what the crack was with, with with Luton coming in there but um, mm. obviously Sheffield United as well that was a that was a poor reflection on, on them yes. uh, Dave can you actually look it up right how many times has a team scored say eight like or seven or more where there's every goal is scored by a different player it's, Not, it's never happened never happened yeah it's never happened I thought so he's going to Confirm. Going to clarify it here, but it's never. I I thought that when I was watching it, I was like, I don't think not one player scored a brace or anything. Like it's a different goal scorer for every goal. No. And I thought to myself, it's never happened before. No, I don't think it's happened. I can't find anything. Yeah. Uh, And the goals were all unbelievable. Glass goals. Unbelievable. The the Alvaron goal, like where he just like loops around. That's like something off American football. It was a beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Class. Uh, But this isn't the Newcastle United. Well, it says United (laughs) way. <laughs> we'll take what we can um, get. <laughs> no, the Burnley game. Um, my thoughts are, I, I am not a fan of the diamond. No. I don't think it works whatsoever. Maybe um, there might be a bit of a difference if Amrabat is in there and Mount maybe, but I just don't think it works. And I'm only saying that from the point of view uh, with Hoyland. I don't, think, I don't think he played that well. I'm not mm. being harsh on the young lad. Um I don't think he was getting the proper service. I think uh, him and Rashford are trying too hard to force it, to force some sort of connection together, and it just doesn't work. Mm. I think um, Hoyland would be better off playing through the middle with uh, a left winger and a right winger each side of him. Yeah, agreed. Um, and he'll get proper service out of that. <clears throat> I think um, Rashford on the left, someone on the right, Palistri or whatever. We don't have many options on the right. Maybe, maybe mount. Maybe mount, which we've mentioned a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think I think he'll do better in a four-three-three system because he wasn't getting much yesterday. And I, and there was a, yeah, there was a um, it was a bit where we were on the break and he had the option of Rashford to his left and Bruno to his right and he went for the option of Rashford, which was the far more difficult option um of a true ball, mm. and it was I think I think it was intercepted, you know. 
so they're trying to force this connection because I heard yeah. Rashford publicly speaking about it. Um, I just don't think it's going to work. Like Marcus Rashford is a left winger. Yeah, 100%. And you know what else the thing is like... Um, Football at, football at any level does not matter whether it's Sunday League or whether it is like a Champions League final. Yeah. When you try force things on a football pitch, they just don't work. Yeah. They just don't. It's it's they plain don't. and simple. They just don't. And that like I mean. And the midfield is still getting carved apart. Yeah. yeah well, what mid, what midfield? What midfield? There's just a, a bunch of individuals in there that it's like. And that's it. I, I, you know, H two M U F C on Twitter. If you follow him, he's brilliant. He's one of these tactical Twitter accounts. But mm. He does a, he does a lot of um, analysis now for the overlap. He's brilliant. He's on TikTok, giving him a shout out. Jesus Christ! Mm. <laughs> but uh, he um, mentioned something about how how bad they were even after the goal. And I just said, individual brilliance it is again, you know. And that's what it was. It was kind of like the football we played under Ollie at times. Mm. And I loved Ollie, but we did depend on individuals. Yeah, to, like flashes of magic. Yeah, to get us out of tricky situations. Yeah, and we, can we talk about Johnny Evans being the go? Class. Messi, come outside, pal. Johnny Evans. He was wonderful, wasn't he? Oh, he was class. And he should have had a, a goal so, and an assist. So much worse. Yeah, I know. I know. Unbelievable. And like, okay, yeah, okay, Hoyland is in an offside position, right? He is actually impeding the goalkeeper. Right. And okay, yeah, like if it was the other if it was the other end of the pitch, it would be screamed for offside, right? Yeah. But where was this when it was C? Oh. The header goes and a kanji. Yeah. Yeah. He opens his legs, the ball goes through him. He has yeah. to open his legs to let the ball go through. Yeah. And there was nothing there. Nothing there. Nothing at all. Oh, it's only Man United. Do you know what I mean? And then I think is it um is it uh, Gordon in the Newcastle game yesterday? Very similar to the ball, almost, mm. definitely almost gone out of play, but then the obviously the big difference there that it actually hits his hand and it wasn't yeah. a free out. I think it's for their opening goal, Newcastle's right. opening goal. Yeah. So, uh, and then obviously uh, the Arsenal and Spurs game mm. where our penalty was not a penalty and there's uh, theirs was. Theirs was. So uh, can we just play, every, every time I think... Um, because the shot and there's oh the shot was taken from outside the box. Irrelevant. That's why they probably didn't. Yeah, it is irrelevant. That is irre- irrelevant. It is irrelevant. Think That's every time... two handballs yeah. from Romero this season that you know both physically been, looked but, very similar. Both, and both should have been penalties. It was a penalty for Arsenal and it should have been a penalty for us. But you, do you know how like do you know how blasé they were about it as well? Like the check was over instantaneously. Yeah, but when it's United, they're soifling through the real book. From seventeen seventy seven, yeah, to go back and, and, and make the, sh- like that the only- penalty last week in Munich uh, with Ericsson. like that was just ridiculous. Yeah, oh, I don't know, but we got all the decisions. If that's well. gi- like if that's given as a penalty, and then the Romero one a couple of weeks ago, Spurs isn't. It's just the inconsistency. And I always go, just I always so go, um, I always go back to the FA Cup one. Who was it? that knocked us out of the FA Cup that time with a handball. Portsmouth. Uh, was it, or, oh, Middlesbrough. Uh, Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. The ball bounces and his hand is up and out here. Yes. And he hits his hand and yeah. comes down and takes a touch and, and buries it. I remember. That was, what was that, 20... Two years ago. 2021, was it? Yeah. yeah. That was a joke. Yeah. Well, we always go back to decisions, but we got all the decisions out. No, we we haven't. But that's the thing. We haven't got decisions in years. It's hilarious. And when we do get something, there is uproar about it. Like, yeah. do you remember how long... Uh, you? How long they went on after the Bruno Fernandes goal against City at home last season? Yeah. They went on about it for about a month. There was a whole Sky special on it and everything. And obviously the the Onana thing a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. 
But when it's us, it's phew. Oh, yeah. The carpet, it's yeah, very it's quiet. Not, nothing to said about it. And nothing even like, uh, did you see the, the, I think it was a Rodrigo sent off for C. Yeah. Um, and Gabby Ogbonlaho saying that. Oh, don't get me started. Li- he was saying Gibbs White was acting up. Yeah. But then said that Casemiro should be arrested when he's done the same thing. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. Like, it's mental. It's do you know like um, he doesn't know what he's saying because he has a producer telling him to say it, so that they'll get the clicks and engagement from United fans. Oh, just, that's the whole game with talk sport. It's just, it's just man. I'd love to fight Gabby Bonhoff. There you go. I'm putting it out there now. I'd love to fight him. He boils my blood. That guy. Me and you. Both. To God. Yeah, like uh, what, what do you call it? A handicap match? Yeah, in wrestling. Easy. Me and you against Gabby and yeah. Tables, ladders, and chairs. Money yeah. in the bank. A handicap match. Me, 100%. me, you, and Gabby. Or yeah, see, because see, we have the numbers, we'll fly over to Talk Sport and actually yeah. film the match there. And no, pro- no problem. <laughs> no problem. You know when they run and slide into the ring. It's do that. just do, bollocks. Do I, sp- I spoke about the um, the media agenda against Manchester United at this moment is absolutely repulsive in every way and I want to talk about it because there's a certain journalist from the Manchester Evening News who loves to stir up trouble he loves to fucking do it all the time and that guy's name is Samuel Rod Little Uh, Samuel (laughs) Samuel Luckhurst he did the exact same shit the last few months of Oli's tenure at the club and he's trying to do something now at Ten Hag because mm. he came out uh, apparently there was a leak that some of the players are upset with Ten Hag's methods his favouritism towards players that he has signed um, this isn't the first time Mr Luckhurst has done this and also Neil Custis from the Sun um, there needs to be a fucking a ban on some of these journalists as well at the press conferences Oh yeah, I remember absolutely. how afraid they were with Ferguson years ago mm. and when Ferguson gave them a warning that was it they they shut up you know yeah but I, th- I think like journalism unquote unquote mm. uh, has in football has changed so much that now they'll say something and try fact check it later Massively on when, so. when back then they wouldn't just print anything yeah it was all factual because they were actual journalists back yeah. then and yeah, now yeah they were now it's it's like clickbait for newspapers yeah do you know what I mean? They'll they'll just say what they want for attraction, for headlines, for yeah. like, and it's it's actually mental. These shocking. are pe- these are people's jobs. Yeah, people's actual jobs are on the line. It's shocking, isn't it? It's so it's just truly shocking. It's mostly the United journalists. The only journalists who I well, there's a few of them, but the one who I really have a lot of respect for, and I think he speaks for the fans, is Henry Winter. I think he's a fantastic journalist, um, and he's as you say. He's of a dying breed of journalist, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, there's just too much of this fucking agenda against Ten Hag. And I'll go back to when he got the job, his first press conference. There was a journalist from the Times, I believe. She she is the Sunday supplement still going? She used to be on the Sunday supplement on Sky Sport. Mm. And she spoke about like she went into fine detail for about I'd say five, six minutes talking about Ten Hag's demeanour, um, his presence his physical presence everything she just went into detail what did she want him to do rocking like Stone Cold Steve Austin with two cans of Budweiser and smashing confidence and you want to see how like the arrogance of this woman speaking about Ten Hag in that way before he's even coached the game before he's even taking a training session before yeah so this is but this is what we're up this this is the level we're at yeah I think Alan Shearer even came out and said that he feels sorry for, for Ten Hag 
he did. Yeah. And fair play to Alan Shearer yeah. saying that. Uh, because he as a Newcastle United, as an ex-player and a diehard Newcastle United and fan. The, and the rivalry there as well during the 90s as well. Like the rivalry's yeah. there, like, you know, him and Kane coming to blows quite a few times. But he understands the struggle that Newcastle fans went through with Mike Ashley for for all those years. Yeah. You know, Mike Ashley having this iron grip of the club, you know. And him both as a player and I think he was actually a manager as well at one point at Newcastle. Short, he, yeah, short little stint. It was a short. Very but, short stint, but he would understand. He went up in my estimation after that year. Yeah, agreed. 100%. Because I always thought that he had this a little bit of anti-United a little thing there, yeah. Bias. But he speaks more sense than the most, most, of most of the pundits. Mm. You know, yeah, no, yeah, I had a lot of respect for, for him coming out and, and saying that. Did you that. hear what Suna said last week? No. <laughs> he, he said I kind of have like, yeah, I kind of yeah. have like an anti Suna's uh, bullshit filter. Like, anytime he opens yeah. his mouth, I think my brain switches off. I've met Graham Suna's, and he actually is a very pleasant man. <laughs> he is. He just has, he just turns into this prick when he talks about United. He just turns into a really unpleasant individual when talking about Manchester United mm. but he he's actually quite a nice fella very friendly and he's done a, he did a lot of great work for a charity called Deborah in the UK um, but yeah soon as anytime he talks about United it's kind of I think you have to laugh it off at this point because I think he's kind of taking it on as a, as a gimmick like Bonnehor has yeah he's yeah. talk sport producers as well 100% they are they are feeding bullshit you know into into the ears of some of these pundits and telling them to go say this shit yeah they they like they knew well what like Bon Lahore said about Casemiro a couple of months ago and they probably told him before the show listen Gabby why don't you say something different why don't you say like Gibbs White was acting up a little bit and that'll get us tons of clicks yeah and Bon Lahore's like yeah yeah that'll be great (laughs) (laughs) no yes boss yeah idiot like actual idiot no, or like, or it's just that whole end of of football, and and you know what? I actually think Twitter has changed. That Twitter has influenced the the traditional media around football. Yeah, because they've seen Twitter accounts grow to the hundreds and the thousands. How much influence that they have within the game, mm. and new media is tr- uh, uh, traditional media is trying to pull some yeah. of that reach back. They're yeah. trying to pull some of that influence back, and then this is where this clickbait sort of um, that Twitter analyst I was talking about earlier H2 um, I think it was during Monday Night Football Gary Neville had his phone on and um, he obviously forgot to put it on mute or forgot to put the volume down and he was watching one of his videos (laughs) at half time you know I think it was about some sort of and then he probably goes and and regurgitates your man's content straight onto the telly and here's the funny thing when it happened like your mom's like, oh my god, this is amazing, and then like three or four days later, he's like, actually, Neville, hold Gary on Neville second. had to do something, so he says, oh yeah, let's just bring him on with the overlap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he's probably he probably is regurgitating what the kids. Yeah, some of it. Up with, yeah, you know? absolutely. So he has to say a face, give him a job. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Gary, if you ever need fashion advice and you want to give me a job in the overlap, <laughs> it's like let's. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah all in all I, I thought it was um, a grand performance it was three points I thought um, Hannibal played very well very well um, he is he's every coach's like 
worst nightmare and and ideal professional at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> because like, um, and by nightmare I mean like in the best way ever. Because yeah. he's performing at a standard where you now have to, he has to be a consideration to be yeah. in the team. Mm. And that is a problem that every coach wants. Mm. Where you have young players coming through and they're not knocking on the door, they're building the thing down. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? And then obviously when young Kobe comes back in, then like the like our midfield is non-existent now. But yeah. um, I think come to the business end of the season, <clears throat> if we can keep players injury, injury free. Yeah. Um, because I mean, we could literally field... Well, a full 11 of injured players yeah if we wanted to right now oh we could yeah we literally could and probably have a, a one or two subs yeah do you know what I mean because I think Martinez went off injured then didn't he yeah yeah he's had a a foot injury since the Arsenal game and he's been playing through the pain uh, Regulon was one that I was panicking about when he came off yeah because the commentator had mentioned that but the commentator claimed that it was um, a hamstring problem and it turned out it wasn't. He was just ill. So thank the Lord for that because mm. <laughs> we, we only have a left back and a right back. Yeah, You know, to play in the full back positions. Um, Casemiro is now a number eight. He is no longer a number six. Mm. He, I don't know whether it's a physical thing, he's lost a couple of yards of pace. Yes, he probably has. But I think when he came to United, he realised that, okay, I'm going to play in that same position that I played at with Madrid. I played in front of Cruz and Modric for years. I was the enforcer. I cleaned shit up. Mm. He's probably thinking, I'm actually quite good with the ball at my feet. Yeah. I can play further up. <laughs> and I think, I, I honestly... I'm Call me crazy, but I think it's just a mentality thing with him where he believes that he can play in the positions that his um, former teammates played in. Probably. Bruce. So I think now it is just time to stop playing him as a defensive midfielder and move him further up the pitch. And allow Amrabat to sit in there. And, and play Amrabat behind him. Yeah. Um, and then the beauty is there then when, like... Casemiro has the ability to re- like to read the game, so he can potentially stop counter attacks higher up the pitch. Exactly. Um, if we are kind of under the cusp, then you can yeah. drop him and Amrabat in together as two holding midfielders, um, and kind of be a bit more compact then. Yeah. Uh, plus, if you have a player of his defensive ability higher up the pitch, it means that we can press more effectively yeah. as as a unit because you become compact higher up the pitch. Yes. Um, because the issue is with the issue is with United. Is when the front line tries to tries to press, sorry, and the midfield doesn't step up, and then therefore the back line doesn't step up. Mm. What happens is the entire team is completely sparse yes. over the entire pitch, mm. and that makes it very easy for teams to play through us, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you're Man City at the elite level or whether you're Burnley sitting in 19th. These are elite footballers. Yeah. Elite. These are the best of the best that the world has up has mm. to offer, right? We all played football as kids. We didn't get close to this level. Like we couldn't lace these guys' boots even at Burnley. No. Like we couldn't even train with these guys; they would run rings around us. The level to us is the level to us is astronomical. Yeah. Like so, you can imagine the difference between a Burnley player and say a Man City player is like this. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So, and then you look at players like Ronaldo and Messi. Like you know what I mean? Like the difference between like the elites, the elites, and then them yeah. is a step up above yeah. again. Absolutely. But the difference between say Burnley and City being this, the difference between us and Burnley is like literally worlds apart. Worlds apart. Yeah. So. It is by no means a stretch of the imagination that a team like Burnley or uh, Tottenham or an, any elite professional team could 
ping the ball around us at will if we allow ourselves to be so sparse. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know if that's a coaching thing. I don't know if it's a discipline thing on the pitch in terms of players maintaining their positions, mm-hmm. whether we're not spotting the triggers to be pressing at the right times. Yeah. Like players running off, you know, like headless chickens going, like Bruno going and pressing because he's a workhorse and he wants to win the ball back. But then he's leaving a huge gap then in between, which nobody is stepping up to fill. Oh, there's a huge gap left in the middle when he plays on the right. Yeah. So if that's a case where Casemiro is put into that spot or then if, if it's Mount or if it's mm. um, Kobe when he comes back in or if it's Hannibal, they need to basically facilitate Bruno's pressing. Yeah. Because Bruno takes the front three, Bruno steps up to make that front four. Yeah. So then he nullifies the numerical advantage when we press. Yeah. But then someone has to step up and fill the big huge gap that he's leaving behind. Yeah. And that's that's the issue there. I. I would like to see a lot of um, rotation over the next couple of weeks as well, especially if some players are going to be fit. Um, and I'm saying Casemiro, that might like maybe maybe have him on the bench for one of the games, maybe the Galatasaray game. Mm. Play play a midfield three of Amrabat, um, Mount and Bruno. Yeah, well, I've maybe, seen. Maybe try Mount out as that number ten. And yeah, Bruno now a bit behind them. Do I think Mount will start? Probably not because he's no, only probably, back from injury. Probably not, and um, that's probably further down the line, like a, a Copenhagen. Yeah, game. but I, I do I do agree with you there. I think that like, and those are probably games that we should we well, <laughs> <laughs> those are games that we should be winning. Whether we do or not now remains to be seen. <laughs> but they're probably games that like in your ideal world, if you're Guardiola, which are one point two seven billion pound squad, and you're two elite force teams that are all drugged up to the eyeballs because they never got injured um, <laughs> if you're him like I mean yeah it's very easy to just rotate 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 and you can they're the games that you want to be experimenting with your yeah. midfield and, and things you know what I don't have that luxury now we can't experiment with our midfield because Burnley tore tears to shreds <laughs> and it takes Johnny Evans to turn into Prime Rooney and it takes Bruno to turn into Prime fucking yeah. Van Persie and for him to recreate that goal yeah, all over again air, Johnny Evans huh? he won everything in the air oh he was brilliant he was he was brilliant phenomenal. and that pass proper throwback the pass for, for Bruno's oh. goal is a joke peach wasn't it if you look at the footage of it um, Cas- like Bruno runs off to score and Casemiro actually turns around to Evans <laughs> yes bro never knew you had that in your life yeah 100% I always liked Johnny Evans on it I always liked him as well I was always baffled at when did he leave United was it 2014 under Van Gaal I think it was 2015 I think Van Gaal shipped him out and I could not for the I couldn't understand it either well, Van Gaal done this weird thing where he was absolutely culling the, the squad at one point yeah like the likes of Paddy McNair was starting to creep into the fourth team yeah. gone Evans gone yeah um, and we were playing with well I mean yeah look at it we were you playing know, with Gibberia, Falcao two marquee signings in Van Gaal's first season gone yeah you know and then Memphis came in yeah so some of Van Gaal's signings so I I heard on a TikTok video you mentioned two marquee signings I heard that it's in the Manchester United manager's contract when he signs that he's only allowed to make two three three he's only made Ollie. Ollie came out and Did said that out and the, said with the Athletic. Yeah, saw a video. Um, so that's obviously what they were referencing. Are we going to get into this again, like last week? The Ollie thing. Only allowed three. Yeah, they're only allowed three major swings a year. So that's why yeah. we had to go for a loan deal for Amrabath because because Ten Hag had already yeah. made his three swings. Onana, Mount and... Onana, uh, Hoyland. Hoyland. That's the Glazer restriction that they... Three marquee swings. And... 
you know, you're, I'm going to get Royal fans saying like, okay, three marquees hunting should be enough, right? Yes, three marquees hunting should be enough if you have a squad. Yeah. You cannot restrict a team to three marquee signings a season and expect them to build a squad. Because... Pep signs players Pep, for that kind of money for rotational purposes. He spent 100 million on Grealish for, a, for him to be a rotation player. Yeah. Matthias Nunes he spent 60 million on. Calvin Phillips. F- what was it that... 40, 50 million I think on 50 him. 50 million. I think it's like... Yeah, the guy nearly... a rotation player though. Well, he's going to have to play now the next yeah. couple of weeks because... Um, Rodri's 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 is out so it'll be Nunes Phillips and probably probably Foden Foden well I'd I'd, yeah if well if I was Pep I'd have to shave my head the bald you Um, you have a real problem with Pep don't you I actually actually love Pep (laughs) I actually actually do love him Um, (laughs) but uh, I'd build an entire team around Phil Foden what a baller he's so good what a baller he's Um, so good that was a great goal uh, their their opening goal oh, against he's unbelievable. He's just an unbelievable player. Just an unbelievable player. Kyle Walker as well. But um, yeah. T- t- speaking of Kyle Walker and Pep and his uh, unlimited bottomless bag of money from his sugar daddies, um, like didn't he spend like half a like half a billion quid on just fullbacks? Fullbacks, and that was his fourth season. I yeah. think his second season. I think he went. Cause didn't he go trophyless his first ever season? That was the first time he ever went yeah, trophyless. He, he finished fourth. Yeah, and then he shipped out Joe Hart, brought in Edison. Yeah, and then oh, it might have been Edison, it might have been someone before him. Who was no, the, it? Was the fullbacks he signed? He signed four. He signed Danilo. He signed a f- four or five fullbacks. Danilo Cancelo came a better season. Spent five hundred million on defenders. Yeah, but I think not just defenders. I think that five hundred million was spent on fullbacks because any time I do a pep impression, I used to yeah over obsessed about fullbacks. And I mean, in fairness to him, he's kind of reinvented that entire fullback role. Yeah, he has. Oh, him and Klopp. Yeah, I think you have Pep too much um, flack on this podcast. You need to give it to Klopp. I like. Do you know what I think? And how Klopp is mean to journalists. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you know what I? I think Klopp is an elite manager. Oh yeah, an elite manager. Absolutely. Right? Um, from a tactical standpoint, probably not in the same realm as. What Pep is? He but, got close to it, though. right? Oh yeah, he got very close to it. But what I think, what Klopp has that Pep doesn't, right? And it's what Ferguson has that Pep doesn't, and that is how to get the best out of players. Yeah. Klopp can make a mediocre player look world class. Jordan Henderson is fucking yeah. bang average. He is a bang average professional. Hundred percent, I agree. Right now. Again, going back to what I said in terms of the levels of these guys, right? If you stuck Jordan Henderson playing for Shells in the year yeah. league, he'd be running the muck. He'd look like Prime Messi, yeah. right? But in terms of the Premier League, Jordan Henderson is fucking bang average, right? Yeah. Klopp had him lifting the Champions League. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. He, Do you know what I mean? Like, he makes... Turned Jordan Henderson for a season or two into yeah. a monster. Yeah. yeah. And Andy Robertson as well. I don't think Robertson is bang average. I think, Andy, I think Robertson's a great, great player. I do as well. But Klopp... Elevated him yeah. to a whole other level as well. Do you know what I mean? And that's what Klopp does better than most managers out there. But Damien Fer- Ferguson said it when Klopp got the job in 2015. He said, "Watch this, watch this lot now. This is it now. This is this lot. They're going to take over." I think, and it is. It, it's so reminiscent of a Ferguson side. Mm. And I, it, you know, Klopp. 
he he replicates that model. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, I, I think the only thing that Klopp does wrong, I think personally, is he builds a core squad. Yeah. Uh, there's very little depth in that squad. And then he runs them into the ground. Yeah, and they they have an right. off season, and they it will. He done it with Dortmund when he 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 won the league title with them. This yeah. he dethroned Munich that time. I think they got the Champions League semi final, but at the expense of Marco Royce's career. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Because he became injury prone because he yeah. was ran into the ground. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And you can kind of see patterns of that with Liverpool now. The looks of Van Dijk is not the same player now. That injury, the Jordan Pickford. Uh, tackle when he came out there and 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 done Van Dijk in. Yeah. That's obviously not Klopp's fault, right? No. But for you to have players playing at that level of intensity mm. for the sustained amount of time that they do, like when they were fighting for all four trophies at one point, they played every single available game. Yeah, that's in a season. No team has ever done that. Yeah, and for them to be crazy, it's that's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, it's not. How so, many games did they play? Was it? Don't know. But they they reached every final, so they played every available game possible. They didn't reach the seventy mark, did they? Sixty three. Sixty three. Sixty three. Okay. That's a mental amount of games to be playing. And like, can you see what players made the most appearances in those games? Because you can guarantee you Mo Salah probably played sixty three games. Give and or take. Just after that as well. So we're, we're working Dave. Working Dave now. Um, Bullet fingers. Working him to the bone here. <laughs> Can you just check how many games United played last season? I think it was in the 60 region. 2022 and 2023, 70 matches. United played. That's what it says. Holy fuck. 70 games. We played more games than... Played more games than Liverpool. Than Liverpool. Yeah. Must have, must have been a replay or two in there from the from the cups. Did we have re- replays in the... in the? We might have. And could, could, yeah. obviously the Europa League as well. It's, yeah, 63. There's two extra games there Liverpool. compared to the Champions League. Yeah. And <laughs> fuck, that's my back is broke just thinking about that. <laughs> Mo Salah 51, Allison 47, Trent 47, mm. Harvey Elliott 46. Jesus, but yeah, there you go. So I put out a tweet good win over the weekend, which will hopefully kickstart something this season. Get your questions and takes into the podcast today as we're recording this afternoon. And I got some stupid replies. RIP MUFC, Noel Morphy, where's Rashford? Ah. Where's That's Rashford? my friend, by the way. Sorry, I want to give him a shout out because me and him go at each other on Twitter. <laughs> he is the biggest Liverpool fan ever. He's an avid listener of this podcast, but my God, Liverpool bias big time. But <laughs> he's, on, he's a legend. Read his tweet. Murphy, how are you, pal? Uh, he's actually, this is a pretty good question. Like for him, I can't. I don't know why he's asking because <laughs> he just, he baits me pretty much. He mm. baits me into replying to him. Um. Why is Rashford getting a hard time? He consistently looks like your best player. Does a weekend ever go by when United aren't somehow wronged by decisions? Now, I don't know if he's sarcastic here or not. (laughs) Usually in games, that doesn't involve them. And why would there be an agenda against United? I let you, uh, because I send them loads of fucking messages on WhatsApp. Um, I think United are one of the few fan bases where um, it's like cool to hate on your own players. It's really, yeah. really, really weird. Really weird. I think Rashford gets a lot of hate because he keeps Martial out of the team. Yeah. You'll get Hoyland getting a lot of hate because he keeps Martial out of the team. Bruno. Uh, Bruno gets a lot of hate because, I don't know. Upgrade on Pogba. Yeah, basically, yeah. Right? Um, so, I think that's where the Rashford hate comes from. I think the other side of the Rashford hate comes from is if he doesn't score, it's automatically a bad game. Yeah. Doesn't matter what he does, if he doesn't, nah, he's shy. 
Yeah. Right? Um, he's also human. He's allowed to have bad games, right? Everybody does. Um, does a weekend ever go, boy, where uh, United don't somehow get wronged by a decision? Uh, as of this opening six games or whatever it is of the mm. season, no. Give or take. We did get one in our favour, the Wolves once. Yeah. We'll take that on the chin, yeah. right? But since then, right, and since the uproar following that, yeah. the full Sky Sports specials and everything else. And the microscopic on the, analysis on Right, exactly. We've not got a single decision in our favour since. No. Not one, right? And that's where that agenda is very evident, right? Don't dare was, say the penalty against Forrest because that was a penalty. Right. And it's... It, it goes back to, I think it was under Oli when, um, like, in, in fairness, we were getting a lot of penalties. We were getting a lot of penalties, but they were fucking penalties. We were being fouled in the box. Yeah. Right? And Frank Lampard came out. No, Klopp. It was Klopp. And Lampard had said it, it as well. It was Lampard as well. Dave, get the fingers rocking. There's a Lampard quote that I, says... I know for sure, I think it was me. <laughs> 100% I did. Man United getting constant penalties. I think probably. Klopp probably mentioned about the wet grass and then... No, he, he and the did. Wind. Yeah, but one of them two fuckers uh, mentioned about United you know, getting a lot of penalties and then yeah. all of a sudden the penalties dried up real because quick. Because that was like Klopp's most... He was very agitated that season. Mm. Can't really blame him because he was playing your man Phillips and who was the other fella he played at the back. Not Phillips and... Um, I forget the other chap. They moved him on. He was out... He, was, he didn't have Matip or Van Dijk for mm. months. It was both. Both. It was both of them, okay. Both of them. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp and Frank 50. Lampard digs that left Ole Gunnar Solskjaer fuming after United draw. Yeah. And the, the penalties just washed up from then. And it wasn't that the, the you know, we weren't getting fouled. The refs just stopped giving them because yeah. there's a media bias there. Yeah. And we're the only team that are affected by it. The refs need to just fucking stop thinking about all the outside shit that's going on. Just, and ma- all just in- ref the game. Ref the game. Just ref the game. Like... They're trying to be like, they're trying to. Do you know? Do, they're trying to like set their standards to you know, rugby officiating, which, in my opinion, is the best officiating in the world. Do you know? What, I was and I was literally just about to say it, right? If they want to fix the refereeing issues and the VAR issues in football, yeah. right? There's one way to fix it. Only one way to fix it, right? And do you know what that is? You sack all of the referees, all the VAR officials, the whole lot of them, every one of them out, demoted, go ref non-league football for pittance, you little wankers, right? Then what you do is you go in to the rugby union and you hire rugby refs, yeah. teach them the game. Get that Welsh fella in, what's his name? He's fucking... You just teach they, them the laws of the game. Teach, yeah. And then they ref it. Because they don't take any bullshit. No. From lads who are about six foot five. Yeah, but to be fair, they can't. Only the captain is allowed to speak to the ref. That's the rule in football as well. well the rule in football as well. That's yeah. Not in any way. But that's the rule. Respect. And yeah, you know, there is a there is obviously a cultural difference between rugby and football. I mean, there is that whole quote. But that whole thing came in with the, with sorry that whole thing came in with the click of a finger. Mm. Like. You know, rules like that, it, it, this is the problem with the rules that they fucking set. They come in straight away and you're supposed to adapt to those rules when you've been used to fucking, you know, not having a go at the referee, but, you know, contesting a decision with the referee. Now that that fucking rule is in, that player gets an automatic yellow card. These rules need to gradually come in at a slow pace. I agree. And there should be for light infringements, right? So let's say... Uh, a player goes up that's not the captain and berates a referee. Yeah. Right? Now, he, he could be already on a yellow card. Are you going to send them off for that? 
Right, so this is where referees are taking discretion to a whole other level. Yeah. Right? So, ergo, why, isn't, like, why can't we have a sim bin in football that's utilised for infringements mm. like that? Yeah. True. Do you know what I mean? Because that's something that rugby referees have in their arsenal. Yeah. To where someone, you know, uh, you know whether it's a, like a bad tackle or like, you know, it might be a genuine mistake, but they need to enforce a rule. And that's where something like a sim bin, where yes, your team is being punished, but not detrimental to the entire game. I think it's a fantastic idea, but I hate to be pessimistic. I don't think in a million Not in a million years. Not in a million years. It's such a good idea though. It is, honestly. Um, and you can thank Alexander Mitrovic for that rule coming in <laughs> with his antics mm-hmm. um, in the FA Cup tie at Old Trafford last season. Mm-hmm. If we're bringing in rules, I'd like to stop the clock. I'm stop s- stop I, the clock? Yeah, I'm sick of it. Goes in, do you know how the actual mm-hmm. level the ball goes out of play? For a home match, right? Yeah, so I, I actually. Did you ever see this stat? I saw the stat, but I can't remember. Can you? It's something ridiculous. What a job our producer's doing here. So he's, he's just unbelievable. He's getting all the stuff. Can we give a shout out to Dave? <laughs> Go, Dave. Um, so he's when, our Jamie. So when I was co- <laughs> so t- talking about the ball going out, out of play, right? So when I was coaching, what I would do is um, I would have somebody with a stopwatch, yeah. uh, and the stopwatch would go when the ball is active in play and then stop when it goes out of play. Yeah. And then we would calculate all that up and then you get an average of how long the ball stays in play throughout the entire game. Yeah. So then what you do is you go onto the training ground and then you work intensely for those amount of minutes. Yeah. Right? So then you'll get your break then when the ball goes out of play and then you work intensely for those minutes so you can be, you don't get tired when the ball's in, in, in play. Yeah, yeah. So, but, have a but what does Dave sure. mean by stop the clock? I just mean in terms of if the ball goes out or if there's an injury or something like that and then you're adding on. Like, I think there's adding on of 11 minutes of play. Yeah, so so basically that's what the fourth official does. The fourth or fifth official, he's a timekeeper. So yeah. his watch stops. Yeah. Uh, every, pretty much every, every time a player goes down, every every time there's a stoppage in play, his stop. Okay, so the, his, us couch viewers, yeah. our, watch, so our clock doesn't stop. Our, our, the clock on the screen does not stop, but yeah. the but the one of the officials is is there to officially keep time. Sorry, Damien. Timepiece. Timepiece, yeah. <laughs> so he has a timepiece. And uh, every, every time there's a stoppage in play, yeah. ball goes out, play, player goes down, injured, VAR checks, everything like that. Yeah. His watch stops. And then he then tots up that time and that's what goes on the board and that's relayed to the referee. But, that time is also a minimum of. But have a look, yeah. right? So this is the only stat I found. It was from The Guardian, right? Um, it's They've compared two teams, Stoke and United, luckily. Uh, Stoke, the average amount of time the ball was in play for Stoke games this season was 58.52 minutes. Manchester United offered the most action with 66.58 minutes on average out of a 90-minute game. Oh, that's great. And we played 70 games. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's ridiculous, that. Now, that was uh, a while ago. That was like, uh, not, like 10 years ago or something, but still. It, the, the actual, it actually still stands. The amount of time that a ball is out of play is ridiculous. Yeah, like... There's no way of stopping that though. There's no way of increasing the action because the game goes on for ninety minutes. Um, I, I just can I read out. I mean, at least it's not American football. The average of action in American football is is I mean sometimes it's, it's, oh, it's, 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 it's stop start. Yeah, it's yeah. awful. But I mean, the, the game can go on for over an hour, and I think there's actual like actual action is less than ten minutes. Yeah, that's fair. Do you know what I mean? Fair. So I suppose, but then there's basketball. 
and tennis where it's end to end for yeah. that in yeah. our time. It's constant. It's a spectacle those those sports are. Um another avid listener, Derek Finnegan, he sent some slightly knee jerk questions after the Munich game. I saw, yeah. He thinks most of them are still relevant though. Yeah. Um I actually screenshot his original tweet to have on my phone, but then he resent it there. So one reason. He sends great questions. Yeah. It does uh, Ten Hag's body language suggest a man in self-preservation mode? Should Ericsson be starting? Can we all agree that Garnacho is more ready than Palistri? Um, why don't Man United subs run themselves into the ground? Uh, did not did that did the Munich game highlight that Martial may be a very useful last ten minutes sub? He played like it was 2015 again. I have to agree there. Mm. Uh, Howler aside, is Onana the best footballer in our defence? <laughs> is Bruno another Wayne Rooney? Um, important example. You know, after 10 minutes, if he's going to have a nightmare. I think Casemiro is our new Wayne Rooney. Yeah, I think you'll know very quickly if Casemiro is going to have a good or bad game. Uh, very, very quickly. Uh, with Bruno, I think not so much because Bruno can have a poor start and then have a very strong finish. Yeah. Um, especially if he gets into the flow of the game, if if he gets an assist uh, or if he gets a goal, um, especially early on in the game, I think he's he's on he's on fire then. Yeah. Um, the Ten Hag's body language, I think, I'll I'll disagree. I think he's probably a bit dejected. I think there's, as we spoke about before, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. So much. Um, and his plate is extremely full. Dealing with prima donnas. Mm. Um, dealing with can like. A ridiculous injury list. Yeah. Um, owners that don't want to piss off. Um, the list goes on and on and on. Should Ericsson be starting? No. It's probably why we bought Mount and why we've taken in Amrabat. Um, yeah. I think Ericsson will. Pr- I, I probably imagine this is Ericsson's last season. Yeah. Um, I think his game time will now be will be limited once players come back fit. I love Ericsson. He pulls up great numbers, but playing him for 90 minutes yeah. impossible it's, it's just impossible it's impossible yeah. he just hasn't got the legs um, no. and I mean it, most people wouldn't if they literally died at a World yeah. Cup so give the guy props where, where it is yeah. um, do I think Garnacho is more ready than Palestri yes but there's a reason for that Garnacho has had more game time than Palestri yeah. so therefore he's more conditioned to be playing at that high level yeah. under the lights in front of the state in front of the fans yada 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 um, do I think either of them are quote unquote ready no yeah. I think both of them need their minutes managed um, mm. and need to be grown into <clears> the team um, why don't subs run themselves into the ground because they're a bunch of prima donnas yeah. uh, they're probably all thinking that I should be starting uh, and rather than going out and earning that spot uh, they sit there and whinge and cry thinking that they are entitled to that spot some of those subs are probably the the so called leaks as well yes that Richard Arnold said to those six fans that he had a couple of points with last year he said he weeded out the leaks and they're gone no oh no. shit not a chance there needs to be a ruthlessness in that dressing room that Fergie had like when uh, Roy Keane club captain one of the best players at the club um, done that MUTV uh, interview and was shipped out I know Yapstam released the book best defender that we had at the time shipped out yeah. uh, and Ferguson will openly admit that he regrets selling Yapstam as early as he did yeah but it was for the Van culture. Van as well. Yeah. It was he, had, for he had a bust up of Van Nistelrooy. Beckham. Beckham. By the way, that documentary. The Beckham documentary. Oh my God, Netflix sponsors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that looks unreal. 
So it looks so good. And like we spoke about our favourite players growing up. Beckham was my favourite player growing grown up. Like I am buzzing for that documentary. It's gonna be brilliant. I'm telling you, I'm telling you now, lads. Whoever follows me on and social media, do not contact me on October tour whenever it's. <laughs> I'm off. Lying. And the people who are in it, who yeah. are giving interviews, Keane Ferguson, yeah, Neville Rio, obviously Posh. Um, but you know what? That's something that Netflix do so so well. You never gave your hot take of the week. I know her. Ooh, I have one. I don't know if it's a hot take. Oh, go, it's just okay. an early prediction. Okay, go on. I think the PFA Player of the Year. Will be Hung Min Sun. Hung Min Sun. Ooh. I think he has taken on the role being the main man for Spurs with flying colours so far. He is, he's Ange's main, big Ange's main man. Mm. He is a phenomenal player, a like consummate professional. Scored two goals yesterday. I think he has five and three games. And he's got like, his link, his link up play with Madison is, they're just, they just already have a connection straight off the bat. I think Son is going to get Player of the Year. Yeah, fair enough. I do. Hard, hard to argue. Six um, months time, I'm going to look like an idiot. Okay. I, I think there's always a bit of bias that's like whoever goes on the wins the league, probably one of their players tends to, yeah. unless you're United. How do you win a treble in fucking David Janola? You know, Rory Jennings, what did he say about like Haaland when he came in his first season? He goes, it's an insult. It's an insult to, to who? What What did he call Kane and Son and Salah? He called them like the... Oh, it's he, the word he, he, he mentioned was like the funniest thing ever. <laughs> he said Haaland would only get 15 goals. I saw he? that. Yeah. And he goes on and breaks like every record there is. And he said it's an insult to the, to basically the mainstays in this league, the, yeah. the Suns, the Canes, the Salas. And Haaland scored 52 goals. And then came bounces to the Bundesliga. <laughs> I need to, to know that. That is outrageous. It's so disrespectful to the establishment. The establishment. That's what I said. That's the establishment. <laughs> the establishment. Kane, Salah, son. It's so disrespectful to the establishment. establishment. He names one English player. <laughs> he, names, he, says, he uses yeah, the word establishment and then yeah. uses he references one English it's player. It's so disrespectful to the establishment. <laughs> It was that that will go down as one of the worst takes. That's up there with Alan Hansen. You'll never win a title with kids. Yeah, you'll never win out with kids. But never that, that kid. is what about six? Sign the put him the contract. Tell him right. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh uh, Ferdinand For Rio. This is what he does. <laughs> Give him the contract. Uh, Row whatever you want on it. There's no, there's <laughs> Ronaldo is a modern day brat. Ronaldo <laughs> is a cod. Gerard, nothing player. Actually, right, this isn't a hot take. Did you see that Paul Scholes clip? Uh, he was asked, Scholes or Gerard? And Scholes says, I'll answer this for you, Gerard. Really? And he says, No, no, you can't do that. And then Scholes' argument is, right, that Gerard was more of a match winner than Scholes was. Hmm. Scholes then goes on to say that Gerard could probably do what Scholes done if Gerard played for United. Yeah. But Scholes definitely couldn't do what Gerard did. If Skulls played for Liverpool. He probably only got about two or three hours sleep <laughs> that night, so. <laughs> like, I, th I think, like, no. he, he does, like, obviously there's a, a, a level of, like, being humble and, and a bit kind yeah. of that, that kind of nature. I do also feel that um, 
he does mention quite a few times that they're very different players. Yeah. They're very, very different players. He goes on, so to, he, he, he describes Gerard as an athlete and he yeah. doesn't, he, he obviously does not describe himself well, as an compare athlete. compare Gerard to a player, obviously Lampard's one of them, Yaya Torre and yeah. Gerard, very similar. Yeah. So similar. Boy, boy and well. Yeah. Um, who would you take then? Gerard or, or, or Yaya? There's our hot take. Yaya and his pump up. I'd probably take Gerard. I'd take Gerard. I don't know. I'd take Gerard. I would. But Jesus, those two or three seasons, Yaya Torre <sighs> at City. When he was a joke. Unplayable. Where he used to just. He just used, yeah. He, he just used to used just drag the entire team up the pitch with him. Yeah, joke of a player. He was like the Tumblr Batmobile. <laughs> Going through the, the, the mid, <laughs> carving through the midfield. This has been the United Way episode nine. We won a game. We won a game. Three points in the bag. And we have a game. Um, tonight Technically We have a game tonight Against Crystal Palace uh, Our first defence Of the EFL Cup At home to Palace Hopefully uh, A couple of young players I hope so yeah. chance. Hopefully a few young players Out there Looking to really Kind of uh, Make a name for themselves yeah. And and I think Yeah Ten Hag said After the After the Borne game That everybody knew That it was a must win They had to go out And yeah. and, uh, and get a result I don't think the performance was, was quite there But we can work on that So hopefully the Palace game is, Baby steps yeah, If you look at our fixture list It's It's doable Yeah it is doable. Uh, and then hopefully this um, early round of, of the AFL is a good way of integrating some players coming back from injury. The likes of Mount can get a few minutes in there yeah, and, and build them back up. So hopefully that is the, the outcome and hopefully a win is the outcome and we can progress because I think it would be rad. Palace again on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Yeah, so fingers crossed. Anyways, I have been Damien Broderick, that uh, prick with the clicks. That's Al Foran. The, oh, you've got... A rhyme for... Oh, Al Foran, the... Human ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> Gets a hand up his ass and someone moves his mouth. <laughs> uh, uh, that's... Um, the Boise of voices. Yeah. Boise <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Only Fills and Horses? Yes, yes, I love it. That's my favourite show. Oh, it's the best. That's my favourite TV show. Love it. Anyways, <laughs> that's the end of episode nine. <laughs> I'm the prick with the clicks. That's Boise of the voices over there. Thanks for recording the podcast. Oh, yeah. no, he's Dave. I was going to call you Dave. <laughs> All right, Dave. Hello, All right, Dave. Dave. Hello, Dave. That's Dave. Um, no, big shout out to Dave. Um, this podcast will literally not be possible without it's Dave. Rodney. Oh, Rodney. <laughs> Cassandra. <laughs> Folks, we'll see you next week. Bye. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Light app.